the Sunday Sermons Podcast. I'll never forget a conversation I had roughly 20 years ago with one of the teenagers that I was mentoring. He had a gift. Uh, By the way, can we get the house lights back up, please? I'd love to see everybody's faces. That'd be wonderful. Let me try this one more time. Uh, I'll never forget a conversation I had about 20 years ago with one of the guys in the youth group that I was mentoring. He was really good at being just really blunt and honest. And I asked him how he was doing spiritually. And he said, well, you know what? I'm just going to coast for a while. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I've learned already now that um, by experience that when I just run away from God deliberately, I always end up doing stuff that I regret the rest of my life and get in trouble for. I don't want to do that. I don't want to leave God. But I've also learned by experience already that when I throw everything at God's feet and I try my best to do everything right, and I get rid of all my bad habits, bad stuff happens. My car breaks down. My girlfriend breaks up with me. All kinds of stuff happens. And I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I think I'm just going to coast for a while. And I remember that because it broke my heart and it was hard to try to help him through that season of his life. But I also remember it because I'd never heard anybody say out loud what I feel all the time, don't you? And I hope you keep going. I hope you press on. But that's what happens. Every time that we throw everything at God's feet, he loves it and the devil hates it. Every time we try our best to do something great, the devil steps right in. I want to say right out, at, right out the gate here this morning, though, this is not a depressing sermon. It's honest, as always, but this is not, we're not down here. If you took a snapshot of Morrison Hill Christian Church right this minute, and you could put us on the map with one of those little guitar pick-shaped little you are here kind of things, you know what I'm talking about? It's actually a good spot. If you were here the last two weeks, I wasn't up here at all, which might be a good thing. But we had a guest speaker from Haiti. It was amazing. We had the youth takeover. It was amazing. God is doing so many things. I couldn't even list them all. And there's also, at the same time, a lot of really hard things going on. Because the devil knows exactly where each one of us is weakest. He knows exactly what would hurt the most. He knows exactly the stuff that would... Get to us, even if we're not willing to run headlong away from God. Are you feeling me on this? And I'm telling you, here's what I know for sure. The solution is not just not coasting. The solution is going faster and harder and more confidently than we've ever gone in the directions that God is calling us to go. And finding our unity in that, finding our purpose in that, finding our strength in that. And when we do that, we're going to get somewhere. Recently, I've watched and rewatched a sermon by Zach Miracrebs. He was the guy who preached the last sermon before the Asbury revival began. He was speaking on Romans 12, 8 through 21. We've walked through that many times here. So have many, many churches and many pastors. His uh, title was Becoming Love in Action. That's pretty much what we talk about all the time here. You know what was amazing, though, is somebody took it seriously. I read that when he left that day, he texted his wife and said, nobody came forward, nothing happened, it's a failure before he started driving home. And he went home and the worship team went to the cafeteria and ate lunch, but somebody stayed and they said, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. They started confessing their sins and asking people to pray for them. And it just snowballed out of that. 
The difference is not how great the preaching is or how great the music is or how great whatever else is. The thing that starts revival is how great your response is. Are you willing to actually throw it at the feet of Jesus no matter the cost? Are you willing to, are you so frustrated that you just can't stay wherever you are right now? Even if it's a good place, even if you can look back and you go, wow, I have come so far spiritually, but I know there's more. I've tasted of God now and I know there's more and I want it. I've tasted what it feels like to give him everything, but I know he wants even more and I want that. I like to call that holy dissatisfaction. And this morning we're going to do something a little different. Normally I just get you to say the thing up on the screen, but this morning I'd like you to get out your thing. Anybody that's got the printed copy, if you're joining us from home, by the way, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And I know a bunch of you are on vacation and joining us that way. What a blessing. It's cool how technology can bless in that way. But here we go. What I'd like you to do is actually um, read... I think, I hope this is the right Bible study. Does it say holy, holy, holy? That's the totally wrong one. I just, I don't know what happened. So let's not do that then. I promise you I turned in the right one. Well, listen carefully then. I made this so that it would actually be easy to say out loud. I worked hard on this one. Maybe we can all still at least hear it and remember it. Great movements require, I'm sorry, great movements replace inaction with action. They harness the power of healthy frustration. They create genuine expectation, which provides motivation and dedication. Gonna read that one more time. Great movements replace inaction with action. They harness the power of healthy frustration. They create genuine expectation, which provides motivation and dedication. There comes a point where we just say, you know what? We're going to get this done. Uh, Pretty much since there was ever human beings and birds in the same general area, people wanted to learn how to fly. But in December of 1903, the Wright brothers had just said, we're going to keep at this till it happens. And it finally did. And they were actually able to fly. Do you guys realize it was only 66 years later, 1969, that we had people standing on the moon? 66 years from that to landing on the moon. That's what happens when somebody says, you know what? We're going to get this done. We're going to fly. We're going to figure it out. And imagine what could happen when God himself gets involved. Imagine what could happen when God himself says, yeah, that's what I've been wanting you to do all along. I'm going to empower this thing. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to provide the fuel. I'm going to make this work. In his sermon, Zach Mercreeb said over and over, I didn't count it, but it was repetitive. It happened over and over. He says, we can't do this on our own. And his final prayer before he walked off the stage and thought he'd failed was this. Jesus, do a new thing in our midst. Revive us by your love. Whenever we come to God with full repentance and full surrender, amazing stuff can happen no matter how far you've fallen, how frustrated you are, or how great things are already. 
Again, this is not a judgment. This is not me condemning. This is not saying Morrison Hill is failing. I am not throwing, I'm just casting the vision of where we've got to keep casting our vision. God's ultimate goals for not only this church, but all the church. And, and the, 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 the future and the hope for all of us is when we focus on that and we make more progress than we can even imagine at this point. That's the dream. But maybe this morning you're at a spot where you feel like everything is done. Maybe you feel like Samson at that moment where he had blown everything and just everything was bad and everything was broken. His eyes were gouged out. His head was shaved. Remember that spot? I love this verse, Judges 16, 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That's still available for you. Another story that I absolutely love in the Bible is in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, where Hannah comes and pours her heart out to God. And she doesn't care what anybody thinks. She is ugly crying. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, you know, where it's not just tears, it's snot and slobber and the whole thing. And, and she gets in trouble even, but she promises God, if you'll give me a child, I'll actually give him back to you. I will actually make sure that he grows up to lead others to follow you. I'll bring him back here and he'll actually grow up here. I'm going to let him be your kid if you'll just give him to me. And God keeps that promise. And that was a wonderful moment and wonderful series of moments where she prays, where the prayer is answered, where she gives him up. But you know where the real magic starts happening, where Samuel starts hearing, even as a child, he starts hearing the voice of God, is when day after day after day after day, he just keeps recommitting himself. I love 1 Samuel 2, 26. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow, both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. I love how Luke intentionally echoes that when he's describing the young Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How many have ever heard uh, something said about uh, if you just had a mustard seed of faith? Anybody heard something along those lines? Raise your hand. Okay, almost everybody, that's what I thought. One of the things that cracks me up, though, is we usually miss the whole point in that. We talk about it all the time, we miss it. It's not about you should have this little tiny bit of faith, or if you only have a little bit of faith, that's enough. The point of that parable that Jesus told us, as short as it is, is that no matter where you start, God can grow things exponentially. God can get stuff better and bigger and make a bigger difference than anything you could ever imagine. He said that a mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Peter talks about growth. We just read this not too long ago. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We grow up into this. We get better at it. We get more effective at it. 
day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. We're designed to grow and grow exponentially, grow bigger than we can imagine, grow than we could ever even dream of getting on our own. Jesus talked about growth all the time. Remember the parable of the sower? Anybody ever heard that one? We usually focus on all the obstacles. Yep, there it goes. That's why, that, that's why you don't grow. That's why you don't grow. That's why. But the point of that one was that sometimes some people do. Mark 4, 8. And the other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You know how you get good soil? Some of you are gardeners. We just got this new gardening ministry that just started. I'm so excited about that, by the way. Thank every one of you. I can't, I, that is not my gift, but I respect it and I think it's wonderful. But if you know anything at all about gardening, here's how you get good soil. You get rid of the rocks. You get rid of the thorns. You get rid of all the other stuff. You bust up the hard ground. You chase away the birds. You put in some effort. And then there's a lot of fertilizer. And how many know that fertilizer is gross? So if you've got some gross stuff happening to you right now, some stuff that's hard and broken and smelly and it's not at all what you wish was happening right this minute, guess what? You're probably getting fertilized. You can grow. You can still grow. The soil can become good over time. Second thing I was going to have you read with me. The idea is that we need to have clarity of vision. That's another thing that has to happen if we're really going to grow. We've got to understand this is where we're going. You can't have a great garden or a great flower garden or anything like that if you're just like, yeah, you know what? I think we'll just rake it a little bit and see what happens. I think I'll just buy some seeds at the hardware store and throw them out there and let's see what happens. How many think that would work? Yep, I'm the only hand up. Good. You guys are wise. It's not going to work. It takes intention. You got to know where you're going. Effective communication feels like a revelation and it really is. Even when it starts with careful examination and observation. Some of us hear mostly, some of us honestly hear almost exclusively from God just by reading his word or hearing a sermon like this or maybe talking to other people studying the Bible. Some people on the far end of the spectrum, they hear from God every day and they're always talking to us about, yeah, and then God said, and then I said, and we're like, what are you talking about? And then there's a, most of us are in the middle where God speaks to us in a bunch of different ways. And we look back and we go, yep, that was God. And sometimes it's even a voice. Do you understand what I'm telling you in this? And even, even in the Bible, it's that way. Even the prophets, they didn't hear from God every single day, but boy, did he give them some messages that we're still telling about today. Here's, here's the point. No matter how God gets through to you, listen, no matter how God gets through to you, when you get it and it's a revelation, you get it, this is something God really wants me to know. However he tells you that, something powerful can start happening. First Corinthians chapter three, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and they were a great church, by the way, overall. They were uh, this huge, fast growing, multi-ethnic, spirit filled, using all the gifts. They were getting a lot of stuff right. And at the same time, just like always, the devil hated what was happening just as much as God loved it. And they had some broken, messed up stuff going on all at the same time. 
And so Paul spends most of his time trying to fix that. One of the things they were fighting over was who was the most saved based on who had baptized them. And they're like, well, Paul himself baptized me. Well, Apollos the pastor did me. They're all fighting over this. There's, this is a pretty obvious thing where he's shutting that down, but there's something deeper I hope we see this morning. He says, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The glory, the purpose, the whole reason for us being here, the strength, the power, the endurance, the goal at the end, the whole thing is God, right? Can we, can we agree on this? It's 100% God. And yet at the same time, just like right here, Paul knew that he was a planter. And he was planting seeds everywhere. He started the Corinthian church and the Ephesian church and all those other churches. He started them all because that's who God had called him to be. So he played his part. Apollos knew that he was a waterer. So he was watering. Yeah, all the glory goes to God, but he expects each one of us to do stuff. And we got to figure out what's our stuff. We got to figure out exactly what's the stuff that he created us to do and then do it. Right? Again, I'm not saying nobody's doing it. I'm not saying none of you know who you are or what you're supposed to be doing. Nobody's, that's not where we're going. We're just remembering the truth together and trying to get even more traction and trying to like see exactly what kind of exponentially big stuff God wants in the future. So the next four weeks, we're gonna use an acronym that's pretty famous, pretty well-known called the GROW acronym. It uses the words GROW. Goal, reality, options will. It's actually, if we can leave that on the screen, at least here, I don't know if it needs to be online, but leave that up there for a second. It actually goes right along with just about every effective leadership model there is. One of the ones we talk about here all the time is target theory. What you aim at, you tend to hit what you aim at, you tend to miss what you don't aim at. Have you heard me say that before? Okay, we say that a lot. That's your goal. And there's a lot more to that. If you were to read a book by Jim Collins, a classic on leadership and all kinds of other things called Good to Great, he would say the first thing you have to have is a BHAG, B-H-A-G, it stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. The second thing that you've got to have is you've got to be able to confront the brutal facts. Looks a lot like reality. The third thing you've got to be able to do, Jim Collins would say, is find your hedgehog principle, which is who you are, what God made you to be. That's your options. What what exactly do I have available to me to get to that spot? And then Jim Collins would say, you have to have a culture of discipline where everybody just knows we just stay at this. We just stay at this. We stay at this. Will. You see how, how, this is just truth. This is how it works. This is how God set up everything in the world. I could go on about other leadership models. I'll tell you some of them later. I read about this, study it all the time. But this is the bottom line. I just hope you see this. Goal, reality, options, will. These are things we can do. And today we're focusing on the goal. We want to know exactly what it would look like. If God's, came tr- God's dreams came true at Morrison Hill Christian Church, what would it look like if we got it even more right than we're getting it right now? What would it look like if we grew even faster than we're growing right now? What would it look like if we really just absolutely nailed it? Let's keep heading there. 
Ephesians 4, Paul's talking about a bunch of other things you should not do. And then he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We gotta know what our goal is. We gotta know where we're heading. Zach Mercreeps, again, in that sermon, he, he had a really short challenge in the middle. He's a little more direct than sometimes I like to be because I love to encourage people rather than beat people over the head. But he said this, 13 verses, 30 commands. How you guys doing? Sometimes we, we need to think about that. We need somebody to say that. God, you know God's serious about what he's saying in Romans 12, right? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. All those kind of things that, that God says about love, he's serious about it. Those aren't options. And if you really study love in the Bible, you're gonna see that it's not something that's there to make us feel good. It's not there because God is trying to help us get all our needs met and make us all feel good and have good self-esteem. Real love, God's kind of love is humble and self-sacrificial and inconvenient and painful and costly, right? But he means it. And on the other side of that, when, it's, uh, when you sacrifice and you give and all those other things, it's way more fulfilling than any other kind of selfish version of love is. But you don't get there by trying to get your needs met. You get there by trying to meet somebody else's needs, no matter the cost. Does this make sense? Morrison Hill Christian Church was planted in 1965. God willing... If it, Jesus didn't come back for them, we're going to celebrate our 60th anniversary in 2025. We're already making some plans for that. So as part of this goal thing, as part of this vision, the next several weeks when we're talking about how to grow, I'd like for you guys to imagine with me, what would God love for us to be able to say at that celebration? What would God love for us to be able to say at that celebration? Because I've got some ideas. I think God would like us to say something like this. You know what? Morrison Hill has been doing some great things all along. I'm so proud of the people who founded it and every stage, the whole thing. Yeah, they got that wrong. They got that wrong. They got that wrong. But overall, man, they're, they're, thank God they're there. But you know what? In March of 2023, they decided once and for all, they're not going to coast ever again. In March of 2023, every single person, brand new people and the people who have been there forever, they said, you know what? We're not swimming in the baby end of the pool anymore. We're gonna jump off the high dive into the deep end of the pool every single day. And then we're gonna be standing somewhere in, 60, in 25 going, we couldn't have even imagined when we made that choice, but that's how we got here. And I think God would like us to say, you know what? They did great the whole time. There was so much going on before March of 23, but you know what? In March of 23, that's when they said, we're gonna go for it 100%. No matter the cost, if we die trying, whatever is gonna happen, we're gonna go deep and we're gonna go wide. We're gonna make this happen. We're gonna learn how to fly. We might even get to the moon. 
You follow me? I think God would love for us to be able to honestly, truthfully say that. That we consistently, consistently lived it. And we started sharing our stories, not just sharing our stories as in telling each other's stories, which I believe we need to do a lot more and we've got plans for that too, but we're actually part of each other's stories over and all. Like the Good Samaritan, I love that story. That's one Jesus made up, remember, there wasn't an actual Samaritan, but I love this idea. The guy, the Samaritan, he didn't just give a testimony to the guy that was laying there beat up. He became part of his story. Are you following me? He didn't just say, you know what? It's okay. God is really good. Something good's bound to come down your way before long. He became that. He helped him. He did something. We need to share each other's stories more than ever before. That requires leading ourselves and anybody that God gives any of us the ability to lead in any capacity whatsoever. Kids you babysit, your own kids, kids that you teach, teens you teach, small groups that you help lead, ministries, gardening ministries or any other ministries there may be, ministries for men, ministries for women, whatever it is. However, your mowing teams that was mentioned earlier to you, whatever it is, you guys, if We've got to keep these visions in mind. We've got to say, this is why I'm doing it. This is how I'm doing it. Leaders lead. And that requires careful preparation and declaration and explanation. And it requires a lot of on-the-fly adaptation and navigation. And most of all, it requires relentless focus on the destination. I'm going to read that one more time. There's a lot of Asian words in there, and they're all important. Can you hear it one more time? Listen. Leaders lead, this requires careful preparation, declaration, and explanation. You gotta clarify the plans. As well as on-the-fly adaptation and navigation. There is no possible way that we can know all the answers that we're gonna need a month from now, or even tomorrow, today. We just know the destination and we know that we're gonna go there, right? And most of all, it requires relentless focus on that destination, Craig Rochelle says, the potential of your leadership is a reflection of the quality of your habits. The stuff that you do day after day after day is what really gets you somewhere. Um, How how many like to work out? Or let me rephrase that. How many work out sometimes? At least sometimes, okay? You walk, you work out with weights, you do something, okay? You've experienced this then. You could have this mega day. You could just go and you could just like work out for like two hours and you don't eat anything but a piece of beef jerky and you drink like two gallons of water and then you look in the, you look in the mirror the next day and nothing is different. And you get on the scale and you, you, you gained a pound somehow. Don't know what I'm talking, how many, I've been there. I'm raising both hands. It's like, come on. But you know when we make any kind of progress at all, is if we just keep showing up. You just, you just run every day. You work out every day. You watch what you eat every day. If you see any difference at all, it's when we do that. We've got to have habits that just keep that happening. We're going to end with some encouragement. And I'm actually going to 
I, I, I had in the original handout a place for you to write down these three things. I, I hope I'll be able to make it clear this morning. Before just the encouragement, let me give you a couple of ideas that I think could help each one of us do this. I'm just going to throw out a bunch of them, okay? These are some ways that I think we could get there. What if we notice that there's so many new visitors right now? And so every single time as we all park, we park a little bit further away from here. In fact, next week, you're going to see some new lines painted out there, some new places we found where we could park and not mess things up. You're going to see all the vans and some of the other stuff off of that gravel so that you can go. You probably notice there's some other places starting to get reclaimed, some new places to park. There's going to be some changes we're going to make, but maybe all of us could just park just a little further away so that if somebody comes in the first time and they're looking around, they go, oh, there's a parking space right there, and they might stay. Our security people told us they've seen several times people have come in, looked around, and just pulled right back out again because it's so full in between the two services. That's just a simple thing. Some of the stuff is stuff you've heard over and over and over again, but we need more leaders to help us do this, and we need everybody to do this. If we're going to really get somewhere, we don't just commit to the big group stuff. We all need to be part of some sort of a small group that actually holds each other accountable and grows. Maybe it's a men's group or a women's group or a Sunday school class. Maybe it's a singles class or a married class, or maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not a class. Maybe you're gardening. Maybe you're mowing, but you pray together and you say, hey, how are you doing? You somehow or another, you stay in touch. I don't know what it is, but you, you do that, you're going to see much more growth. Deeper and deeper inside of you and exponentially as a body. Is this making sense? We, we, we're gonna see, if we're going to get where, where, where God wants us to go, and we're going to be a look back in 2025 and go, that's when it started. It's going to be a bunch of little things like that, things that seemed like little things. You know what? I know I'm not going to go to hell for not going to church on Sunday, but I'm going to make it a priority because I want to learn, and I want people to know that I care, and that I care about them, and I care about Jesus, and I want to be fed, and I want to worship God, and I want to take communion with all of God's people. You just make some choices like that, just some responsible, practical choices that say, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this every time. This always helps me, so I'm going to do it all the time, and guess what? We might actually get somewhere. And again, not that we're not getting anywhere, people. Do you understand me? Have you heard me say that yet? Let me say it one more time. We're doing pretty good. We're doing really good. I'm so proud of you guys. But I believe we're on the cusp of something way greater than any of us could ever imagine. I believe God is moving. And I, I, I know that because not only do I see the good stuff, but I see how hard the devil's trying to mess it all up. I'm not only seeing the answered prayers, but I'm seeing some things I pray about literally daily that I'm not seeing any answers for yet. Both of those tell me God's trying to do something and somebody wants me to give up before it ever happens. Are you with me? Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. 2 Thessalonians first, chapter 1, verse 3 says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. 
I believe those things. I believe those with all my heart. And I believe it's true about us. But let me cast just a little bit more vision and then we're going to wrap up. Whatever God's plans are for Morrison Hill is the same that's always been his plans for any church anywhere. It's going to look a lot like the Acts 2 church. Following the Spirit every single day. Bearing witness, not just with their mouths, in every language and actually influencing every ethnicity they could possibly come into contact with. Not just with their mouths, but with their lives. They actually live out their lives every day and people just see God in them. People are repenting. People are being baptized. People are joining this family of love on a regular basis. They're growing not just numerically, but they're growing deeper and deeper. Their roots are going down deeper. Their branches are going wider. And as that happens, there's shelter and there's shade for everybody because all God's people are growing together. They live in anticipation of Christ's ascension. That's why we take communion, to not just look back at what he did to proclaim his death until he comes. Where our whole life is defined by the great commission that we go into all the world and we make disciples of all nations and we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We teach them to obey all the things that he's commanded. And we sense his presence. We're fueled by it. We're driven by it. We are empowered by it. He is with us always, all the way to the very, very end. I wish I had something for you right now this morning. Maybe you could use that same piece of paper, just write it on there. Maybe you can type it in your phone, write it on your arm. I don't care. But there's probably something this morning that each one of us could stop. It's probably not even a bad thing really, but if there is a bad thing, that should be at the top of your list. But something that you could stop and that would make room for all this growth that God wants to do in us. There's probably something that you could start this morning. Something that God's been putting on your heart and he's been putting it on your heart, putting it on your heart. And you say, yeah, I'll do that, but nothing's happened yet. You'd start today. And maybe there's something that you do sometimes. And and it's not like you've never done it or you don't understand it or you're saying no to God, but you've been coasting a little bit. And you go, I'm going to do this consistently. You can even just put one thing, one of those three things, or just one in each category, or one in two of them. But if you do it with that goal in mind, I promise you the power of God will empower that choice that you're about to make. Be encouraged, people of God. Be blessed, but dream bigger. We serve a powerful God. We're serving him already, but he's got plans for us. We literally, I can't imagine, but we can reach it if we make these kind of choices and he empowers them. I love you guys. As we stand, as we sing, would you commit to one of those? And if you need to make that public, just come right down here. It's off camera and safe. You can talk to my dad right there and you can make that decision. But let's all recommit to God right now as we stand and sing.